Welcome to With a Slack Group's podcast. This week, we're at the ADHD Foundation's head office, joined by Dr. Tony Lloyd, CEO of the Foundation, and Chrissy Jones, Operations Director. Thank you both for joining us today. To start, tell us about your roles at the ADHD Foundation. So, Colin, if you can start us off. Sorry, Tony. Tony. Um, I'm the chief executive here, um, and, well, a very diverse role, really, Rikaya, in terms of uh, trying to lead the organisation in terms of particularly um, providing training right across the country for schools and uh, healthcare professionals. Um, and certainly in the northwest, we also offer a nice guidelines multimodal therapeutic service, so a whole range of psychological therapies such as CBT, family therapy, counselling, and psychoeducative interventions, which is that information, advice, guidance, knowledge for parents and young people so that they can live healthily, happily and successfully with ADHD. Brilliant. Chrissy, can you explain to us your role? Yeah, like Tony's just said, um, in terms of the um, psychoeducative stuff, I um, deliver most of the parent carer um, skill building training, um, understanding and managing your child's ADHD, um, coming from a, per- a professional and a personal um, point of view, um, giving them strategies and understanding of um, ADHD and how they can manage that within their child and their family. Brilliant. So um, we're going to start off by asking um, the question that I'm sure everybody wants to know. Can you explain to us what ADHD is? Okay. In a nutshell, there are three core characteristics of ADHD, and you have to have at least two of these, and they have to have been evident since you were a child. Okay. And they are hyperactivity... Impulsivity, so that's impulsive thoughts as well as impulsive behaviour. And what's known as inattention or poor concentration and poor memory. Um, But most of the scientists now are saying that actually ADHD is much more complex than that. We know that there are very specific differences in brain structure and function with ADHD. And we now have two secondary characteristics. One is low emotional resilience um, because we know that children and adults with ADHD are at greater risk of things like mental health uh, needs such as anxiety and depression. And also something called poor executive functioning skills which is a term that parents and teachers are going to hear a lot more about in the years to come and that's your brain's ability to plan and organise your thoughts and to be able to manage your emotions in a way that doesn't cloud your ability to think. So it's a little bit more complicated than perhaps everybody once thought, but it is essentially hyperactivity, impulsivity, poor concentration and memory, low emotional resilience, poor planning and organising skills. Okay, brilliant. So... What are the symptoms of ADHD? Well, in a sense, it's the the, the answer to the same question. Um, It depends on whether you're looking at this from a medical perspective and seeing ADHD as a disorder, or whether you're looking at it from a perspective of neurodiversity. So ADHD affects 1 in 20 people. Right. So for some reason over human evolution... 
natural selection has not bred out ADHD. It's part of the human race. And if it affects one in 20 people, so that's one child in every classroom, um, then there's a reason for it being there. Um, at the foundation and also I think in, uh, in organisations that specialise in autism, and there's a significant symptom overlap between ADHD and autism, and we know there are a lot of people who have both conditions. Um, we tend not to talk about symptomology so much as characteristics and take a strength-based approach and try and emphasise that while ADHD can be quite debilitating, because like autism, it's a spectrum disorder, you can have it in a mild, moderate or severe form. I was going to come on to that next. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, you know, it, 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 talking in terms of symptoms... Um, I think that's a discussion, really, that's taking place amongst a lot of professionals right now. Are we saying that people with ADHD are disordered? No, we're saying that they're different and they have different needs and different vulnerabilities, but also other skills and talents that are quite unique. So we know that ADHD is closely linked to creativity. Okay. For example, we know that there are lots of very successful athletes who have ADHD. We know there are lots of entrepreneurs who have ADHD. We know there are lots of artists and creative people who have ADHD. So I think you have to look at ADHD in the round. Okay. And yes, there are some disadvantages to it, but there can be some positives to it if it's managed well. Okay. Is there a spectrum to the condition much like autism? Yes. You can have ADHD in a mild, moderate or severe form. Okay. And that is largely down to a combination of your genetic potential and environmental factors. So we know, for example, a child who's born with ADHD, with the right kind of parenting and the right kind of education, they can thrive. And once they transition into adulthood, will probably manage their ADHD quite well. Okay. If you have a child who's experienced some adverse childhood experiences or trauma, yeah. um, perhaps has gone to a school that didn't really understand how to teach and support a child with ADHD, or for some reason they've had parents who've not understood how to raise a child with ADHD, then the outcomes for that person with ADHD means that they're going to move along that spectrum and their ADHD is potentially going to be more severe. But it is a combination of genetics and environmental factors okay. that determine outcomes, that determine where you fall on that spectrum. Okay. So... Um Chrissy, this is a question for yourself. Mm -hmm. If a parent listening to this recognises the symptoms Tony has just mentioned in their child, who can they raise their concerns to? This is difficult, isn't it? Because a lot of parents um, don't necessarily want to say anything in the school yeah. um, because they might be frightened of, you know, putting their kid at a disadvantage. Um, my son was... We had concerns about my son when he was about five, um, six... And it was actually the school we spoke to and said that, you know, we we do actually understand that there's some difficulties with our son at the moment and, and they recommended that we go and speak to our GP. So okay. we went to our GP and went with our concerns to our GP and asked for a referral to a paediatrician for an assessment. Um, so that was, I, I, I would recommend that that's what, what parents do, but certainly at some point speak to the school and about what strategies they can put in place whilst they're waiting for an assessment. Tony, would you add anything to that? Um, 
I think Chris is absolutely right. Parents need to discuss their concerns with their GP and also to consult the school because often it's in the school that children experience the most learner anxiety. It's where their ADHD becomes more prominent because if you can imagine when you were starting school at five years of age yeah. and everything that the new primary caregiver you have, which is the teacher, is asking you to do, such as sit still, concentrate, remember what you learned yesterday. I was a good student. <laughs> but all of those things, actually yeah. children with ADHD find much more difficult. And of course, the other thing that a lot of parents perhaps don't realise is that parts of the brain in their child who has ADHD develop at a slower rate than their peers. Yeah. Um, and the rule of thumb is that the child is, who's 12 years of age has the, the, the learning capacity and the neurological development of a nine-year-old. So often children with ADHD are, are perceived as badly behaved or immature, but it's because the, the age of their brain isn't quite the same as their chronological age. So okay. they do appear less mature than their peers, and that's another interesting factor that a lot of parents don't understand. Um, in reality, when young people grow up, get to their mid-twenties and their brains fully mature, yeah. while they'll have ADHD all their life, some aspects of their ADHD are much easier to manage because their brain has caught up with everybody else's. So it's important, as Chrissy says, to speak to the school and find out whether, this, whether the child is having difficulty with their learning, with their concentration, with their memory. Um, hyperactivity doesn't affect learning. Yeah. Um, and there's no reason why a teacher would need to tell a child to sit still or stop fidgeting because actually that's good for an ADHD brain to be okay. on the move. Right. Um, unfortunately, not every teacher understands that and not every teacher understands what is known as a neurodevelopmental delay. So we know that these children are academically often struggling, not because they're not bright, because a lot of them are academically very gifted. Yeah. It's just that their brains are growing at a slightly slower rate than their peers. So it is important that you have that conversation with the school. And what we would emphasise to parents is talk less about your child's behaviour in school. That's not what you want the teacher to tell you about. Yeah. And I'm sure that often that's the first thing that <laughs> teachers are going to say. Actually, the question is, is my child struggling with learning? And if they're struggling with learning, if they're not able to concentrate, if they are hyperactive, if they are impulsive, then they can still be well behaved and have those characteristics. There are a lot of children with ADHD who don't get diagnosed, yeah. and particularly girls, because they tend to be less hyperactive and they tend to be noticed less by the teacher. ADHD isn't really a behavioural disorder. It was reclassified. Um, back in 2009. It's a neurodevelopmental disorder. Okay. When you see difficult behaviour in children with ADHD, it's because of learner anxiety. Mm. It's not because ADHD means poor behaviour. And we know that because half of the referrals that we get from schools are not ADHD. Mm. They're behavioural difficulties that could be caused by any one of a number of other things, such as anxiety or... Um, you know, child being bullied or yeah. any kind of other sort of stressor that might affect a child's learning. Really what parents should be asking is, is my child able to concentrate? Is my child hyperactive? Is my child impulsive? They're the answers that you need to discern whether or not 
any difficulties your child might be having in school are being caused by ADHD or are caused by something else. That's, that's really interesting that. So um, at what age can ADHD be diagnosed? At the moment, it's six years of age is the minimum age, but that is going to be reduced to five years at some point over the next couple of years. The National Institute of Clinical Excellence yeah. have decided to reduce the age at which a child can be diagnosed. Um, but, you know, aspects or characteristics of ADHD can be evident in children from two, three years of age. Okay. So, although a child with ADHD can't help their behaviour and they find it difficult to suppress impulsive behaviour, what can parents do so that they can help them to cope? I think mainly that parents need to, to arm themselves with as much information as possible in order to access psychoeducative uh, information to, to find out as much as they can in order to help their child. Um, if the child's on medication, then adherence to the medication where appropriate is really, really important. Um, lifestyle, um, how much sleep are they getting, how, what the quality of that sleep, um, exercise, and Tony was saying before about um, it's important that our kids do move around. Um, the ability to self-soothe and self-regulate is, is something that parents... Is, the, the earlier intervention, the better. Yeah. So the parents around the information can work with their child and the environment surrounding the child, so school or the people, grandparents, the family members, wherever, in order to um, ensure that their child is able to self-soothe and to self-regulate where they feel that need to do so. Can I just say, though, I mean, you know, you mentioned the point here about ADHD children can't help their behaviour. Yeah. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not entirely comfortable with that, to be honest, Rakea, because... Okay. Knowledge is, I think, knowledge is power, and I think when we name something, when we understand what it is, we're better able to manage it. Okay. And we get into kind of difficult ground here, I think, particularly with schools when they're saying, well, there are certain minimum standards of behaviour. Um, and, and, in, and at home, there are parents who say, well, there are certain minimum standards mm -hmm. of behaviour, um, which are absolutely, you know, which is absolutely right. Um, Allowing a child to think that they are not accountable for yeah. their behaviour, yeah. I think we're doing children a great disservice yeah. because they have got to learn how to behave appropriately, otherwise they're going to become very unhappy, they're going to fail at school, yeah. and then there's a whole lifetime of disadvantage ahead of them. We know that there are some things that they find difficult. What we have to do is teach children with ADHD how to help yeah. how they behave. Yeah. Okay. We've got to help them learn personal responsibility. We've got to help them learn accountability. We've got to teach them about choices and consequences rather than good and bad behaviour yeah. so that children can learn that if I act in a certain way, there are certain good consequences, but if I act in another way, there are certain negative consequences or sanctions so that they understand that Whatever the consequences of their behaviour, they're the author of it. They're responsible for it. We've got to give them the knowledge and the skills to help them learn how to manage their ADHD successfully yeah. and live with ADHD successfully and achieve their potential and be happy and psychologically resilient, healthy young human beings who transition successfully into adulthood. And that's why early intervention is so important. Like education of parents, carers, the children, the young people themselves, 
other people within the whole environment, so teaching, other teachers, other staff that work with them, anybody that that child comes across, and society in general yeah. to educate everybody. ADHD yeah. is not an excuse then for bad behaviour yeah. no. or underachievement. Okay. It's not an excuse for the child, it's not an excuse for the parents, it can't be an excuse for school. I think where we need to get into a really interesting area of conversation here is what do we define as poor behaviour? Mm. So a child who can't sit still is not being badly behaved if yeah. they've got ADHD. That's not intentional yeah. bad behaviour. Yeah. Um, but a child who isn't able to regulate their... To, for example, children with ADHD often get very frustrated and can act out. Now, there are certain behaviours that are not acceptable. Mm -hmm. Being unkind, being aggressive, being rude, you know, refusing to do as you are told, you know, are not acceptable behaviours. Our job, isn't it, is to help these young human beings learn how to behave appropriately. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we need to move away from this idea of good and bad behaviour, but we also need to instil upon young people and help them develop strategies, as Chrissy says, mm -hmm. so that they can behave in a way that is appropriate, learn successfully and achieve their potential. So to say that children with ADHD can't help some of their behaviour, that's true only to a point. Right. It's our responsibility as parents and as teachers yeah. to help each child appropriate to their learning needs, learn how yeah. to behave and act in a way that is appropriate and helpful to them. Okay. Yeah, just like the, the ability to self-soothe and to self-regulate where appropriate yeah. is, is really important. And this is what I mentioned before about, you know, low emotional resilience mm. being a characteristic of ADHD. Yeah. The biggest cause of difficult behaviour is learner anxiety or frustration. Yeah. Yeah. If we teach children how to self-regulate and self-soothe, as Chrissy mentioned, then when they're calmer and more in control of their nervous system, then they can make better choices about how they're going to behave. And we have to help them learn how to do that. We can't make assumptions that all children have the same neurocognitive capacity and therefore know what to do. We've okay. got to help them learn that. So both of you touched on strategies. Can you talk us about? Can you talk us through strategies? Um, can you give us an example of a strategy that you can implement? Have you got all day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Which one? In which situation would you like me to give you a strategy for? Um, I suppose since we're talking about the self-soothing and the self-regulating, yeah. um, one strategy there we would use would be like breathing exercises. Okay. Um, talking to the young person or the child about what actually helps them to calm down because in those situations where they are, like Tony said, frustrated or really anxious, the, the first thing, the most important thing is for them to be calm and, yeah. and talking to them about how how do they become calm, what helps them to become calm. Um, so for instance, it might be that they need to, to go and listen to some music or to take themselves away from the situation yeah. where the, they can, um, so they're not still in that situation to be able to come away from that situation to help them to calm down. Like I said, listen to music, read a book, um, but obviously talking to them outside of the situation when they are frustrated. So having that conversation with them as soon as possible. I think we have to remember as well, don't we, that there's a neurological difficulty here that makes it difficult for some children to manage their ADHD successfully. So what Chrissy was talking about in terms of 
daily cardiovascular exercise absolutely yeah. crucial for every child with ADHD every day should be running swimming cycling yeah. and good sleep hygiene good sleep, yeah. absolutely crucial but also effective parenting and you know I think this and consistent parenting yeah. Yeah. have a lot of sympathy for parents here because we have lots of parents who come to us you know I've got three other children and there's nothing wrong with them they're all great and this one is so difficult for me to manage and I get so frustrated and upset and they won't do as they're told and um, it's about helping parents how do you parent a child with additional needs if nobody's ever sat and explained to you yeah this is what ADHD is because for a lot of parents you know they end up eventually after waiting on average two years to see a doctor to get a diagnosis unfortunately in the NHS most NHS trusts don't follow NHS nice guidelines yeah. they're given a prescription for medication and that's it. And parents often come to us and say, well, my child's been diagnosed with ADHD. What does that mean? Does that mean they're badly behaved? Like, absolutely not. Mm. It's a myth that all children are badly behaved. Yeah. Um, but parenting a child with additional needs, you know, it's about empowering parents with knowledge mm. and skills. You know, we see parents in despair thinking, I don't know how to help my child. But unfortunately, they get a very short time with a doctor and a, and, a, and a bottle of pills, and pills don't teach skills. You still have to help your child learn who they are, yeah. understand their strengths and their difficulties, and learn how to manage them. But generally, for, for me, um, I suppose talking about strategies that helped with, with my son was um, communication is key, um, spending time just on a one-to-one -one yeah. with him. Um, praise is really, really important. Um, and for him personally, it's um, something we call when and then. So, and it is about consequences. The term we talking about before, you know, that when you've done that, then you can do that. When you've done that, then you can do that. Can you give us an example of how? Yeah, when when, when you've finished your homework, then you can go on your PlayStation. Okay. And until you've finished your homework, you can't go on the PlayStation. And a lot of the strategies we use with parents on on the surface are very very simple. Yeah. It's carrying them out and being consistent with them and not giving up. That's yeah. the, the difficulty for most parents because, you know, hands up, we've all given for the news life. However, what we're not teaching our child is the boundaries, the consequences, and them taking responsibility for their ADHD. And we're actually condoning them, saying, I can't help this, it's my ADHD, if we're giving it. Yeah. The child's got to take responsibility. Yeah. yeah. For their behaviour, for their actions, the good actions, not just the ones that require a sanction. Yeah. Um, and parents need to be given information and skills. It's not easy bringing up a child with ADHD. It no. can be very demanding. And there are a lot of parents who say their heart sinks when they go to pick their child up from school because <laughs> yeah. the teacher's going to be there saying, you know, do you know what Johnny did today? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so it is important, really. It's important that. that the parents and, and schools work collaboratively and it's you know one of the things that we've really enjoyed about working with, with the Witherslack group mm. is that you know you don't just work with the child, you provide support for the parents. Absolutely. Parents yeah. Yeah. will do everything they can because they love their children and they want their best for their children. But we don't always know how. Yeah. yeah. And also you've got to add into the mix every child is unique and different. And the other thing that's absolutely crucial that probably a lot of parents don't understand is that 80% of children with ADHD have one other neurodevelopmental yeah. difficulty. Yeah. So we know that 40% of children with ADHD are going to have dyslexia. 30% of children with ADHD at least are going to have high-functioning autism. Mm. Some of the children will have 
what's known as comorbid or coexisting dyspraxia. What's that? It's another neurodevelopmental disorder. Um, and again, there's so much symptom overlap between all of these uh, neurodevelopmental conditions that, yeah. you know, ADHD really travels alone. Okay. Um, and it's important, I think, you know, for parents to understand and to make sure that they're communicating with the schools. And is my child having difficulty with reading and writing? Because if they are, then there may be some dyslexia, dyslexia traits yeah. there as well. Are they having um, problems with coordination? Are they clumsy? Um, are they having difficulty processing certain information? Then we know that perhaps dyspraxia might be involved. Right. So it is really important that the parent develops a really good relationship with the school special needs coordinator and that we probably, proper, properly assess what that child's needs are because every child is different and, as you say, they're, more like, they're, they're most likely to have something else as well as ADHD. Well, going back to what you said about strategies and having um, a toolbox, if you like, of strategies that you can kind of pick out um, when you need them, um, but recognising that every child's different and some strategies that work with some children might not work with others. Yeah, the when and then I was just talking about works fabulously with my child um, yeah. and I still use it now and he's nearly 20. Um, yeah. But that might not work with other children and mm. depending on the co morbidity or other the existence of other conditions going with it, particularly praise um, if a child's on the autistic spectrum as well. Um, but it's about having that toolbox and being able to like, you know, literally pull out of the bag mm. things that you need to use, but the consistency is the most important thing. Chris is absolutely right. You don't wait until there's a crisis before you put these strategies yeah. in place. <laughs> because they won't work. A child who is in distress, upset, angry is not in any space no. to learn or, or respond appropriately. The first thing you have to do is help them calm themselves. Yeah. And then when they're receptive, you know, explain why that behaviour was perhaps not appropriate or understand why they got upset. Okay. And that's when I said before about talking to the child beforehand about what helps you calm down. And it turns right said, don't wait till it happens. Have yeah. that conversation with your child beforehand. You know, when you do, you know, there are opportunities, op there are occasions when you do, you know, get frustrated and you do yeah. lash out, whatever you want to call it. What do you need to do to calm down? What, how can I help you calm down so that when that situation arises, you as a parent or a carer or a teacher or anybody else knows what to do and knows what that child needs because you cannot work with somebody who's got that much adrenaline going mm. through the body. Yeah. So what about triggers? Every child um, is different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Time, place, people. Yeah. Anything. It, it, something, it could be something very simple, sensory. The, yeah. The Some triggers. children don't like a lot of noise, for example. I mean, we find a lot of children with ADHD have real problems with auditory processing. They yeah. don't like a lot of noise, which is ironic when you consider that they can be very noisy, noisy themselves. themselves. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, I think triggers, every child is different. different. Okay, yeah. Every okay. parent will tell you that there are different people and places. I know of one example where this, uh, the teacher said to me, we have a real problem with Johnny's ADHD on a Thursday afternoon. And I'm thinking, that's not Johnny's ADHD. You have ADHD all the time, not just on Thursday <laughs> afternoons. And I said, you actually explored why this is. And it turns out that, you know, mum and dad had recently separated. Yeah. Um, and the child was going to see his dad on a Thursday evening. His dad had a new partner, didn't know how to deal with that. And right. his anxiety around that 
because, I mean, you've got to remember young children don't have a great deal of self-awareness. They don't have a great deal of emotional intelligence. And they can't articulate. And they can't articulate. Absolutely. They can't articulate. Yeah. So that anxiety is going to find expression in some way. And I think, yeah. you know, again, the message we, we would love to give to parents is, what is their behaviour telling you that they're not actually articulating yeah. in words? Yeah. Try and understand it. If we understand it, then we can start yeah. doing something. Because there's a function behind every behaviour. Yeah. And it's about finding out what yes. that function is and then how we can deal with it. Brilliant. <laughs> so, um, can you talk us? Can you talk to us about the anxiety or worries of parents and carers about having their child labelled with ADHD? So, I think Chrissy, yeah. you could answer that. Yeah, because when we went through the process with our son, um, it was a case of like, are we labelling him, and then what are we doing to him if we label him, um, and what does that mean, and what you know? But at the end of the day, it was about. Without that, sorry, again, without that label, is he going to get the support? And it was about accessing the support, as difficult though it was, accessing that support, particularly within the, the learning environment, for my child's actual, you know, his personal needs in terms of his education at the time. How can we get that? And without that diagnosis, that label, we were never going to be able to get that, particularly when you've got like a resistant school. Um, but I would say that, you know, it's like Tony said, um, as a professional, certainly as a parent, I come from a strength-based approach, and it is about, you know, Tony saying before about um, there's lots of very successful people who who have ADHD, and about working with the child and the family to say that, you know, there are lots and lots of positives about having ADHD and about concentrating on the positives and not going down the kind of this is. The negative side of it. Um, Looking at the label. Yeah, but yeah, because ADHD doesn't define you. Yeah. Um, it's an aspect of who yeah. you are. Because I I know, particularly my son doesn't say I am ADHD. He says I have ADHD mm. because I am ADHD. He said that just defines me, yeah. and I'm more than mm. that. I think the other issue. I mean, Chrissy's right about you know. I know she was concerned about when her son was 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 going through the process of being diagnosed, and I know Chrissy was worried that he might be stigmatised, mm. or that some uninformed people might think that oh, this boy is is a naughty child because mm. unfortunately there are still some teachers. Um, not many, thankfully, but there are still a few who think that ADHD is some kind of acronym for naughty children, which is which is complete nonsense. Yeah. It's a myth. Um, I would encourage any parent to get their child assessed and diagnosed as early as possible yeah. and make sure that that support, that particular approach to parenting yeah. is put in place straight yeah. away and that the parent makes sure that the school is helping their child learn successfully yeah. and achieve their potential. And that means that you know, we have to look at how we teach. And also, I think we also have to recognise that when a teacher understands a child has additional needs and what those additional needs are, it's much easier for the mm. teacher to make accommodations for them. It's much easier for the teacher to realise that, you know, if this child is struggling sitting still, yeah. you know, why don't we give them a standing desk? Why don't we give them a fidget toy? There are lots of things we can do that can help that child learn successfully. Okay. Right, so... Tony, this is a question for yourself. What would you say to a parent whose child has been diagnosed? Um, don't panic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, they are still your beautiful son or daughter. 
try and understand that even though sometimes it's difficult for you as a parent, try and put yourself in your child's shoes. It's not easy for them either. The world can be a very confusing and frightening place for a child. And what they need from their mums and dads is reassurance. You know, a lot of parents say to us, oh, my child's very affectionate and, you know, they always want to hold my hand and they always want to hug me. And trying to explain to parents, actually, it's because the child is anxious. And yeah. that need for constant touch and tactile kind of behaviour is really the child trying to soothe themselves right. and, and feel protected by mum and dad. Um, so, you know, for parents, it is about learn as much about the condition as possible. Yeah. Don't pay too much notice to what you see on the internet because there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't, isn't great. Um, but find out as much as you can. You can look at the ADHD Foundation website, look at the With the Slack Schools website. There is a lot of information there uh, about how they can help their child. Um, but also, you know, to see their child as, as gifted and as talented mm. and as lovable as any other child, but a child who is perhaps a little bit vulnerable, needs some extra support, um, and have faith and confidence that, you know, with the right kind of support, there's no reason why their yeah. child can't achieve their potential, yeah. and so many people do. I agree, yeah. yeah. As a parent, what yeah. would you say to a um, parent who's had their child died? Very similar to what Tony said, don't panic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, early intervention, um, consistent parenting styles, um, and know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, that if strategies are put in place, that knowledge, that understanding is is, is paramount really to be able to manage, um, not just for the, the parents and cares, but also for the child or the young person to understand their own ADHD. Um, that they can become very successful with the right support, with the right um, you know learning opportunities, mm. um, teaching them the way they learn as yeah. opposed to not. Um, and praising them, um, giving them lots and lots of reassurance, um, and they can succeed. My son went to Japan for a month on his own last yeah. summer. And he's ADHD and, and, and he's ADHD and Asperger's. Right. You know, I'm not saying that everybody's child has got ADHD and Asperger's, but suggest that they send them off <laughs> on their own. However... But it demonstrates, you know, doesn't it, how well Niles has done. Yeah, you it's know, consistent yeah. parenting. And yes, he's, you know, about taking responsibility for his, you know, his own ADHD, that, you know, he had to get himself, change airlines in Doha and, you know, yeah. come back again, do his own washing, that kind of thing. That is, you know, and he's a different person since he's done that, that whole experience. Um, I suppose, yeah, I'll blow my own trumpet. It's because of the consistent parenting that he's had. Brilliant. Since yeah. he was six. Yeah. Since he was diagnosed, yeah. Okay, so um, you've touched on this during the podcast. Um, I'd like to touch on the services the Foundation offer. Right, okay. Well, we offer training to schools right across the UK yeah. and to some schools in Europe, some English-speaking schools in Europe. We offer training to healthcare professionals in the NHS. Yeah. Um, and... In Merseyside in the northwest, we offer what's called the NICE Guidelines Multimodal Service. So in uh, some of the parts, not all, but some parts of Merseyside and Cheshire, we provide a whole range of psychological therapies, so systemic family therapy, cognitive behavioural therapy, um, counselling and coaching, what's called psychoeducative intervention, which is around 
helping parents learn not how to be good parents, yeah. um, not how to love their children. We already know they know that, that they love their children, but it's how to parent a child with additional needs. Um, so we do a lot of training and coaching of parents. Um, and there are some other very sort of uh, individual sort of therapies. We use something called DMDR, which is about using light. Um, next year we're going to be um, using something called light therapy because we know that um, there is a part of the brain that has what's called circadian rhythms, which helps you understand what time of day it is, and we know that that doesn't work properly in an ADHD brain, um, which is why a lot of children with ADHD have poor sleep. Um, so we're looking at developing light therapy as another as another treatment um, uh, for, for children and adults with ADHD here. So, yeah, a whole a, quite a broad range of different types of therapies, and often it's a question of what does every child is different. Every child has a different level of need. It depends on what that level of need is, and at different stages in the child's life, parents can come back to us and say, well, they're really struggling with this, and one particular issue is transition from primary to secondary school is usually a real crisis point for children with ADHD. Yeah. Um, a lot of them really struggle making that, that transition. Um, but also, you know, advice about medication mm. and, um, and also particularly, you know, during stressful times in the child's life, exams usually is when you yeah. see ADHD really come out in, in, in all its glory yeah. and that's often a time as well when families will come back to us and say we really need support, my child's really not coping at the moment, what can we do? So the range of therapies and support is really, is really quite varied. Um, I was looking out before this podcast, I actually went on your website and yeah. um, you also support um, other areas such as autism. Well, Can yes, you talk us through that? Well, yeah, I mean, we mentioned before that um, ADHD really travels alone with Kaya. Um, in 80% of cases, children will have one other condition. Um, in 80% of cases, they'll have two other neurodevelopmental conditions. So learning, can you imagine, again, starting school at five, you've got ADHD, you can't remember what you're learning, you can't concentrate, you're impulsive, you're a bit fidgety, you don't like sitting down all the time. Well, what, what if that child's also got dyslexia and struggles to read and write? What if they've also got dyspraxia yeah. and, and you know, have real difficulty with coordination and information processing? What if that child has also got traits of autism? I mean, Chrissy's son is, has, has both autism and ADHD, but autism is a spectrum disorder as well, of yeah. course. And then, you know, your child can have traits of a lot of these things, maybe not enough for another diagnosis. So this is what I'm saying, it's, it's, it's a bit more complicated than perhaps we once thought. Yeah. Um, and it's really important to understand that, you know, if you're going to support the child, you support the child in the round and holistically. So yes, we're the ADHD Foundation, but of course any child that we work with, we're going to help them with their dyslexia or their autism or their dyspraxia because that's part and parcel of who they are. We can't just say, well, we only do this bit, go yeah. away, <laughs> because there's so much overlap between yeah. a lot of these conditions. Brilliant. Okay. Um, also, um, before we go, um, the services that you offer, I obviously want to mention our training with yourselves. Mm -hmm. um, what can parents expect on this training, if you can just kind of give us an idea? Yeah, sure. Um, we offer it's the one-day training um, yeah. for parents and carers understanding and managing your child's ADHD. So we do look at the neuroscience of ADHD. So we've mentioned neuroscience quite a yeah. bit. Um, 
Can you break that down? Yeah, so yeah, it's it's kind of um, how the brain works yeah. and how and but like Tony was saying, it's not just about the impulsivity, the hyperactivity, and the inattentiveness. It, we talk a lot about the executive functioning, um, right. and because it's much more complicated than that, and that how that affects your everyday life. Um, the things about planning and problem solving, verbal working memory, uh, visual working memory. Um, the um, impulse control, um, emotional resilience, all that kind of the neuroscience, if you like, yeah. around what ADHD is and what it isn't. Do a little bit about the complexities as well, about the overlapping of the other neurodevelopmental conditions. And then we look at how the environment can impact on our child's ADHD, yeah. um, how sleep can impact on it. Um, we look at the, the education system and learning um, and no. <laughs> um, family and relationships um, because yeah, lots crucial, of yeah, it is, yeah. because we talked before about um, triggers and sometimes it can be people places feelings senses that all impact the family think, relationships it's about how to have an ADHD friendly home and I yeah. think particularly I mean you know we, we, we've also run programs for siblings because it's yeah. hard sometimes being yeah. a brother or a sister of a, of a child who's got ADHD and we all know don't we that those early family dynamics are where we learn most of our interpersonal skills and communication skills yeah. um, but for the child who is neurotypical who doesn't have any additional needs then it can be very difficult, difficult to understand yeah. their sibling and, you know, the old phrase sibling rivalry really comes into the fore <laughs> if you've got a child who has autism or ADHD or both. Um, so you have to help the whole family, family yeah. not just the child with ADHD, because that child is, you know, it, it's helping the child in context, yeah. in their home and, and at school. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, we know from the feedback that we get from parents from those programmes that we do... Um, with with this like that you know they're really well received and they come away thinking I had no idea yeah. I had no idea at all and now I, I, I get it completely and I understand yeah. it I've got an idea about what to do and I know that it's because a lot of parents understandably particularly you know we're led to believe that doctors are there to sort everything out well here's a tablet well actually no it's not that simple at all um, medication is vital for some children and can really make yeah. a massive difference and I would have no hesitation at all in giving medication to my child yeah. uh, for ADHD if they needed it. But it's only part of the answer. Parents do need to understand what it is, how to manage it. And that's it. what and the good thing that we offer, obviously, within the, the context of the, the parent care training that we do, is the strategies. And right. we look at uh, lots and lots of strategies and what can work and what can't work in what different situations. And obviously, you know, irrespective of how many parents are in the room when we're doing this, they've all got their own strategies. Yeah. They actually learn an awful lot from each other yeah. because a lot of the stuff that they're putting in place is the, what they might call their coping mechanisms, but actually the, the strategies that they've developed. And, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't come from an expert stance at all. However, I've got a little bit more knowledge about what ADHD is. Yeah. Um, and then it's about importing that information to them, empowering those parents to have the information to go over with what ADHD is and what it isn't. Yeah. Being able to speak to, confidently to other people, including schools um, and other people about what ADHD is. Being able to ask for the help and the support that they need, but also being able to put those strategies into place with their children and the rest of the family. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so um, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you both, Tony and Chrissy, for joining us. Um, you can listen to more support and advice from our experts by visiting our website, www.withaslackgroup.co.uk 
forward slash podcasts. Thank you. Thanks very much, Kate. Thank you.